Hello and welcome, Altered State Podcast, episode six. Six. There you episode go. Episode six. A week off will uh, make it tough. It will. It to- totally throws me off. Took a week off for Mardi Gras because that's important. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's all about the important things. It absolutely was. No, we needed a week off. We, now there is so much to cover. This episode could be five hours. Who knows? It could be five hours. I, you know, it really could. We could already be an hour three because we've just That's been true. sitting here bullshit. We for actually two have been hours. sitting here bullshit for two hours. We should just hit record earlier. Uh, we did the Toy Man Toy Show earlier today out in Bridgeton. Uh, yeah, some great, uh, just great stuff, top to bottom. All kinds of um, not just vintage, but even new shit, new pop stuff. But I saw some yeah. awesome Star All Wars stuff, stuff. Saw some awesome fucking GI Joe stuff, which I love. I didn't buy anything, yeah, and I'm already having regret. Well, that so just like when you used to go to the toy store as a kid, and you like, why didn't right. I get that new toy? The whole drive home, right? But mom, but right, mom. right, right. That was today. It was I. I loved Toy Man. I was so I, I was thrilled that this was the first uh, convention of any sort that I was going to be able to bring my kids to, and drag the wife out, who's not necessarily particularly interested yeah. in those things. Right. Like, ah, oh, this will be great. And then as three-year-olds do, you know, as you well remember. I do. Uh, there was a bit of a meltdown yeah. um, over a My Little Pony. So we had to. Just to be clear, it was a girl, <laughs> right. a toddler, who was right. upset at the convention of My Little Pony. Not a 45-year-old not a man. a grown man. You need to clarify could... that. Yes. <laughs> right, right. Usually the throwdowns at the conventions are the brony guys. Yeah. No, Clara was they, awfully the, upset. The brony guys are biters. About... They're, they're biters, yeah. <laughs> She was awfully upset didn't buy her a, a My Little Pony, um, so we had to bail early. But man, it was it was still fun. It was very it fun. It was cool. There, it's really like walking through your childhood basement somehow, right? It's it's well, it's like walking through your childhood dream basement. It really is. Yes, like seeing the ad ats. Yes, seeing like Slave seven one. Millennium Falcon Ugh. Slave One, Ugh. which is a toy, right? <laughs> Not toy. a gift set. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there was so but, ma- they had great a couple of cool Millennium Falcons, um, so many. I mean, honestly, I like we've talked before. I love the loose toys. Right. I love. I love. Don't get me wrong. I if it's something cool in a box, never been opened, that's appealing. But damn it, right. if I don't want to take it out and set it up right. in some type and of pose it, with it a gun or its sword or whatever, it, it doesn't toy. fuel my engine like that. Right. I, I want a toy to play with. Which is probably why my collection's not worth shit. Because it's all been played with. Monetarily. Like, I just, right. In my heart, you, it's, it's worth, worth everything. Priceless. But that's like the point of a toy is to get it out, to play, to let that imagination run. Right. To, you know, I loved, when I was a kid, making my own Ghostbusters story. Making right. my own Ninja Turtles story. Yes. Like, playing that game. I loved taking the Millennium Falcon or the X-Wing for a fly around right. the living room. Yep. Like, that was cool. Yep. And that's worth not having a pristine blister pack around my Luke Skywalker right. because it has some wear and tear right. from me throwing it against I the saw... wall with the force choke. Right, like, right, yes. Because it needed to happen right. to advance the plot of the story in my head. One thing I saw today uh, was a Millennium Falcon um, drone, you know, oh, which... Man. It sounds awesome, but at the same yeah. time, I look back on it like, how could you ever not open right. a drone? Its only Dude. purpose is to fly around. I had. And you're denying it that purpose. When I was a kid, do you remember in the 90s, uh, there was a big market 
for like little toy rockets that had like the fucking fuse sure. that you'd fire up yes. 300 feet and they would parachute down or yes. whatever. Yeah. For Christmas one year, my uncle, uh, my godfather, who like they always wanted to have a bunch of kids but only ended up with one daughter um, and weren't like rich by any means. But as far as my family was concerned, they were pretty well off. So my godfather always spoiled me because he was into sci-fi shit too. Yeah. So I was kind of like that that pseudo son. And there was one year he got me a, a rocket kit that was a Tie Fighter and an X-wing. Yeah. And he just like shot him up in the air and blew him oh, up. That's fantastic. <laughs> we went to Bus and Quarry and, and like I think about it now. I'm like, man, I bet that probably fetch fetch a little oh money. Oh my god, could you imagine? Yeah. But like, no. I took it out to Bus and Quarry and blew it. it the fuck up yes, when I was a like kid because that's because it was yes, a toy that you right. did with, and right. it was glorious. Right. And twenty years later, I still remember that. Absolutely, shit. I wouldn't. Yeah, the experience you wouldn't trade it for the toy right now. Like right. what I could look at the toy on the shelf and have yeah. no connection with it, or I could have played with it, and then when I see it again, I'm like, oh, oh that, that brings up like cool. a great memory. Well, that's, that's how I felt when, when I was seeing the Star Wars stuff today. Especially, I was like, man, it just Star Wars toys do a do a special thing to me, man. They, I, I don't know why it's Star Wars in particular, but those toys just transport me. I'm with you. And like Star Wars is in so many indescribable ways to so many people, such a magical thing that, you know, when I see those original eighties toys, I'm just like, man, right. Like I am, I am transported to a time and a place. Absolutely. Not to get way off topic. Have you seen all the new, uh, um, Star, it's not called Star Wars land. I forget what it's called at Disney. Oh, galaxy's edge. Oh, galaxy's yeah, edge. It looks, looks sick. My son's in California. Now I'm just making sure yep. he stays there. So when that shit's, I mean, it's supposed to be ready in a few months. Right. The, the um, the big ride, I forget what it's called, but it's basically where you're navigating by at-ats and things uh-huh. like that. Won't be ready for a few more months after that, but I'm like, fuck, man, that looks so... Well, you can just walk around like it's, it's a Star Wars set. It's we're, amazing. We're going to need to do a, a company excursion. Right. Oh, because absolutely. When I, I was talking to Libby recently because the kids are like, now get to that age, and her brother lives in San Diego, which is only like... An hour and a half drive yes. from Disneyland. Yes. We've already talked about getting out there and taking the girls to Disneyland. You'll have to visit Noah I'm one in. time. Yep. While we visit the brother, we just meet in the middle at Galaxy's Edge. You know, fuck them all. They can all meet us at Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're, we'll go to Galaxy's right. Edge and the families can fucking this come is, to us. This is a business excursion. <laughs> right. The point of the business is to go to Galaxy's Edge. Right. And then we'll see the family. Seeing you is collateral <laughs> damage. Right. If I have to see my children, fine. Right. That's but a First things bonus. first. Galaxy's right. Edge, and I needed to take that bounty hunter ride. Real <laughs> right. quick. Uh, we're terrible, but no. And the the loose figures that was there. The, not only do I love them because they've been played with, and I love playing with a mm-hmm. toy, but also, you know, I think it's really easy to say go to a convention and get caught up in the idea of the the chase item that's right. sixty dollars. That's cool to see, but right. like, I think in my experience, I brought. My wife, who's not into that stuff, and two toddlers who right. love toys. Right. So when there's bins of loose figures for two, three bucks, man, we walked away. I bought my kids a bunch of toys today. Right. But spent $10. Right. Because, you know, it's like little knick-knacky shit that was probably at my grandma's house 30 years ago. You know, it was like little, right. a little bell and beast that were clearly two pieces from a board game from 25 years ago that right. everything has been lost. And the guy's like, yeah, right. man, 
give me a buck. I'll give you exactly. both of them. Exactly. Or there was a Buzz Lightyear, like a rubbery Buzz Lightyear that was probably a Happy Meal toy right. in 94. Right. And walking by, my daughter saw it. And the guy behind the counter was just like, oh, just take it. You right. Just, like, right. shit like that's like, man, that's, that's what this community is about. Right. And my kids... You know, and they're probably not going to have a memory from this. They're still young. But as I take them to things, like, that's the stuff you pick right. up on. It's exactly. like, and my kids now have a relationship with that shit. Right. Like, they now have a relationship with right. seeing, with being at a convention, with being in the community. And that's, right. Th- that's what I want. That's what it's all about. It, and just, you know, my son's a little, a little older. My son's 19 and he's into music and things mm-hmm. like that, and which I was too, younger. Sure. So growing up, you know, he wasn't as much into the pop culture side of things as far as comic books. I mean, he, you know, he loves movies and he loves Star Wars and that kind of stuff. But, you know, he wasn't a deep diver like yeah, I am. You know what right. I mean? You know, he loved, you know, what, all that kind of stuff. But to see him uh, dive into the love of music like I did, mm-hmm. it, it's what it's all about, dude. Right. I mean, whatever, if, if your kids just like something a little bit oh that you God. love, it, 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 blo- it blows you away. It's the greatest thing. Right. When you can have conversations ever. about Star Wars or anything pop culture nerdy with your kid, it's right. the coolest it's shit like, ever. Like, my kids are three. Right. They don't know what they like. Right. And it changes every week what they like. But every now, like the, the Star Wars Resistance show yeah. that's on Disney XD, um, you know, they yeah. like the Disney XD stuff, like DuckTales and shit like that. Love DuckTales. And when, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> when, when that comes on. And Star Wars resistance, you know, they'll say, oh, daddy, it's Star Wars. And just like hearing that sentence, like, right. oh, my God, kid, you have no idea yeah. how much this means to me yeah. to hear my offspring say, oh, daddy, it's Star Wars. Yeah. Like that. It's cool shit. That is everything yeah. to me. Or like walking around the con today, they saw a little DuckTales Funko Pop or, you know, they saw a Darth Vader and they're well, like, even daddy, in, it's Star Wars. Right. Like, I was even, yes, you know, man, you're on my team. I, mean, I, I know just recently you saw the Incredibles, but you know, just when the kids, when they're impressed by toys, I don't know what right. that is, but like, like we were talking earlier before we started, kids don't have, there's no toy stores anymore. God. Now that Toys R Us is gone, yep. at least in our area, there are no, no straight up toy stores. Nope. There's like those learning stores with yeah. like the educational toys. Yeah. Who wants that? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, as, a, as a parent of toddlers and an educator myself, <laughs> right. I appreciate an educational toy. Absolutely. But it's not a toy store. I, I am a firm believer right. that the greatest educational toy is an action figure. Agreed. I believe in my heart of hearts that that imagination play I agree with him. is everything. Yep. And giving a kid something that doesn't do shit. And having them make it do something in their head right. is the best education you can give a kid. I, I know I learned so much more. Oh. For, like I learned how to write and how to speak right. by making up stories in my head with right. my action figures right. and reading comic books. Yes. My GI Joes went on so many missions on my desk when I was a kid. Right. You know, I had I had a, a just you know in my my room by myself. I had my desk, but it was a nice desk. It had like, <laughs> you know, I had a couple like shelves above it. Sure. So the G.I. Joes could like rappel down. <laughs> How many stories did I create in my head? And all that, right. you know, I mean, so many creative juices were flowing simply because my mom or my dad or my grandparents spent five ninety nine on a little toy. And I was in heaven for till this day. So right. for 30 years. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's, well, that's what I think and, and about. And when I, when I looked, when I walked around today, that's that all comes back to you. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, you know, I can watch an old movie and remember, oh, I remember that, I remember this. 
But when you see like a toy that you used to play with, that to me that brings back not just playing with a toy, it brings back the whole childhood experience. experience. You know what I mean? Right. There's being in your old home the and your sight, the smell, right. the feel. Maybe <laughs> no the, responsibility. Right. <laughs> you know what what, I mean? Whatever it is. Right. It, it just, just the sense of imagination that you can do whatever you want in this right. moment right now. And the the world is totally yours. Yes. And I yep. think that that's a powerful thing. So as much as I love the educational toys that my kids get, no man, I like it. I get more of a kick out of watching my kids. Um, Libby and I bought them for Christmas this year, like a three and a half foot tall dollhouse. Right. Watching them play dolls in their dollhouse fuels my engine, man. That awesome. that gets me because they're they're making up a story or like right. so. You know, it's flu season, and the stomach virus has gone around our house a couple times. Right now, my kids think it's really funny to make all of their dolls throw up. They're like, oh, you're throwing? And, like, in my head, <laughs> at first I laugh, and then I'm like, oh, that's probably not great. Right. But then I'm also like, no, you're taking your life experience, and you're building your three-year-old version of what a narrative right. is. And that that's powerful. Yeah. Or, like... You know, for their birthday, someone got them, like, a princess tea set, like, a, with a Disney, and, like, so they'll take around this teacup, they'll be like, oh, this is your medicine, oh, this is your right. snack, and watching them take a teacup and imagine it's seven different things at a given moment, it's like, that's cooler than right. any fucking coding toy right. that someone right. can give you. And even, like, and it, the... and it gives you this, it gives you this childlike wonder, this gift to view yes. the world a certain way. Yes. That I think is essential. It's important. Yeah. It's why I am the way I am because I never gave up on chasing that whimsy. Right. You know? Yeah. That's why we're building a, a story. That's why we're Fucking as right. grown men trying to create something that's, that is really cool and powerful to us. Damn right. Because that didn't go away. Because we're money hungry and greedy. <laughs> right. Sellouts. There is so much dirty money to be made in toys and comic books, ladies and gentlemen. That's uh, filthy. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like tobacco and alcohol. Right. Comics and toys. You know what else I saw that I, I was shocked that I remember not shocked, but just that brought back memories, pound puppies. <laughs> I did not see the pound puppies. I didn't but the even like that left right? your mouth. I did. My older sister had all the pound yes, puppies. Yes, I did. I didn't really Holy like play shit. with them, but my mom would put them on our bed as like a mm-hmm. the pillow. You know what I mean? A little decorative pillow right. on your oh, bed. Yeah. Oh yeah. So there was always like a pound puppy there. I had a light brown <laughs> with chocolate brown ears. I had a gray and black. Yes. Yeah. I think, think everyone in the yeah. 80s and 90s had a pound that puppy. Was their, yes. That was their throw pillow. But, right. <laughs> yeah. So, I was like, I, I hadn't thought of pound puppies for fucking ever. God. Because really, anytime I think of like the little plushes, I think Beanie Babies. Right. Um, you know, there's not many plush. To, I had like a E.T. maybe. And then all of a sudden I saw this pound puppy and I'm like, holy shit. I totally forgot about those. <laughs> it was great little... Five five minutes, I'm like, oh, oh grandma. That's incredible. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it was great. That's what Voltron... Voltron mm. takes me to my grandma and grandpa's house Voltron. so much. When I was a kid... So, like, I, I had a big family, um, and grandma's house was, was ground zero. Um, Same here, yeah. So, like, I have... On that side of my... On my mom's side of the family, the cousins that I always bring up... Right. Um, you know, my oldest cousin is like 10 or 11 years older than me. My youngest cousin's like 15 years younger than me. So there was like probably, and there's probably 15 to 20 of us. I love hearing your cousin stories um, because in my family, I'm the, I'm the oldest. So I'm the oldest oh. cousin. So sometimes you feel the responsibility of, 
I need to pass on some knowledge yeah. to the young bucks. You know, I'm sorry. I didn't maybe your, maybe but, your cousins are telling me. Right, story. that's what you're, I'm like. Maybe my cousins them. will someday tell me the story. Like, oh man, Murphy gave me that Pearl Jam CD or, or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever. So, I mean, <laughs> well, the, my cousins will be at the grand opening of the shop. I fucking yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Mine better. <laughs> As I lean, I look in the phone. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm yelling at them. It's such a visual. It's terrible. One day I'll figure out the podcast format. And as soon as you figure it out, <laughs> we'll, we'll do start a live streaming. We'll do a live streaming video. That's absolutely, yeah. Um, but so at my grandma's house, there was like all these toys that had just been passed down generation to generation. And the one that always seemed like the, the creme de la creme that you had to fight over who got a turn with was the Voltron. So when I think of Voltron, like I'm immediately like taken. The, like the full. Oh, yeah. All lions the combined. Yes. So like I am immediately transported to my grandma's house and like. The cutthroat, like, you know, standoff between five right. or six of us. It. Like, all right, who gets the... Because <laughs> we weren't playing this bullshit, everyone gets a lion. Right. No, man. You get Voltron, Voltron. or you don't get shit. That's awesome. I'm right. All or nothing. And, uh, yeah, man, that, that's the one every time I see it in a toy uh, store. That's... Or not I, a toy store. Those don't exist. At I a, know, at the, right? At the con. It's so... It bums me out. I just loved walking the toy stores. Mm-hmm. Even a shitty toy store right. was a good time. And even not buying shit. You know, we talked about KB Toys that yeah. was in the mall. Yes. The amount of shit you that could, you would get. I remember, I know, it sounds like I'm watching big, but you literally could, like, play laser tag totally. in the toy store. Or Because you could try stuff and check about it out. How many and... people that learned how to ride a bike at Toys R Us? Heck yeah. Because you got to pull the bike off the rack and ride it around the shop. Like, you got to test ride. Did you ever... Legitimately, uh, there was a store that let children just ride bikes around yes. it. Did you what ever... What world the 90s Not was. only that, they had the battery-operated cars. Yes! Did you get one of those? No. When we I was young... Folk. We didn't We didn't have the battery-operated. When I was young, we did not have... But we had grandparents who loved to spoil the kids. Oh, yes. So every Christmas, I would tend to get... The one cool... A big ticket a, a, Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And one year I got... Um, this is going to show my age. Bigfoot. The mo- it, was, it wasn't a big old monster truck, but it was right. just like, it looked like a Jeep. Yeah. That just said Bigfoot on the side. Uh-huh. It was battery operated. Yeah. I was the king of the fucking neighborhood. Oh, God. But that... You know, I look at that now and I'm like, you know why those don't sell anymore? Because kids don't go outside. <laughs> well, it, No one wants like, that. The, like... Kids can get like a forty nine cc motorized scooter. That's true. <laughs> and and yeah, it wasn't long yeah. after the Bigfoot you could get like an FAO Schwartz catalog with like right. a, a real like Lamborghini or right. a Range Rover. Hey, how come Timmy down the street has a fifteen thousand dollar Range Rover, right. and I got him a tell Bigfoot that craps out up a hill? Well, you know. Yeah, it's a, but that's the thing, man. It's. Uh, what you give your kids to do outside and play outside. Like, I hate to make it about toys for kids, but, like, this year, for the girl's birthday, Libby and I, uh, we are of modest means. Sure. Um, so, you know, we try to get something nice for the girls, but not, we can't, we can't spoil them even if we want to. So we got them both, like, the classic radio flyer tricycle. Oh, yeah. And, like, so here they are at their birthday opening up all these wild electronic gifts that can do probably all sorts of cool things that we're very grateful for. Right. But it's also like, here's a tricycle. Right. Let's go fuck around. Right. Like, let's go raise some hell. Yep. Yep. And we were talking earlier, you know, what's the point of having a comic book collectible toy store if 
you can't give your kids lots of cool shit. Right. I mean, what's the point of getting a discount from the distributor? <laughs> you can't right. pass that along you, to the youngest. If you can't make the... Well, and I mean, really, it's investing in the brand because you're making a younger generation. But, well, really. You, you're getting them hooked young. First taste You'll, is free, kids. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we did learn a thing or two from the cigarette companies. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Paul Mall. Yeah. But uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun uh, walking around that con. It was. I... Uh, and you, I know you didn't go upstairs, which I wish you would have. Which was wasn't huge, but it was the um, the artist floor. Uh-huh. So you know, all local art. Not, I, don't, I won't say it was all local, but I'm pretty sure it was you know Midwest. Yeah, regional uh, regional artists. artists. Um, you know, we're talking sculpture. They had uh, they had wood guys. They had painters on you know canvas. They had this you know freehand pencil guys. Um, Kevin Hansen. Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, oh, fucking creepy I, as hell. So creepy. Uh, he was there in his full on makeup. God. Um, yeah. If my kids were crying enough over a My right? Little Pony, yes. I'm glad I didn't take them uh, to see. I was really. That was my first time at Toy Man. I was really impressed with what it all. I mean, it wasn't just a toy show by sure. any means. It was. It was there a were full comics. Con. There was lots. It was. It was a good con. I was really impressed. I was impressed with just how big it like it was how big. packed it was. Yeah. Rather. Like when I. When I was taking Libby and the girls, like, I've, I've been to a few smaller, you know, like, I've been to the Wizard World Con sure. downtown that, you know, you get with, you, there's a certain amount of prestige that comes with Wizard World that you're going to get a different audience. Oh, of course, right. Or, or a wider audience. Right. But when you go to one of, like, the smaller, you know, like the VFW or Machinist right. Hall yeah. cons, you, you're you're thinking only the more hardcore fans. So when I was bringing the wife and kids, I was like, all right, yeah, this will be cool. And I'm sure there will be people. You know, that place holds a few thousand people. Right. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe a thousand people are there, which is a good crowd, Fuck yeah. but not a shoulder to shoulder crowd. Right. We showed up. It was tight. And it was, yeah. It was squeezing it was. through, man. Yep. And I was really. And we were two hours after opening. It. Right. You know, I mean, it had been open for a good two hours, um, you know, because we're old and have kids. and Right. It takes some time. And we're I, old. I can't, can't wait in those lines anymore. <laughs> right. You know, uh, we got there like 10, 10.30 or so, yeah, about 10.30. Yeah, right down there, and it opened think, at what, 8? I, I think 8 or 9, you know. Um, I think it was early birds at 8, it was. general public yeah, at 9. Yeah, yeah. Um, st- I mean, still a yeah. monster crowd. Um, and what I was impressed with, not not just, but a guy who's been to cons and worked cons because, you know, uh-huh. selling stuff, there wasn't a bad spot as right. far as, like, a vendor. Yeah. They did a good job, a, a nice yeah, flow. really weaved it. Even if you were up like front. Like being or in an Aldi, man. Yes, Real man. efficient yes. aisles. They, they, there was no one, like, stuck in a corner that didn't have traffic. It yeah. was all a nice flow. Um, you know, I know they've been doing it for a while, so they know their shit, obviously. But uh, no, I, I was impressed, man. I really it was. was. It was very cool. For a local company. And that's a big, you know, I've, I know Toy Man. I've heard of it for a long time. I haven't been. Uh-huh. It's, um, it's one of the biggest toy cons in the Midwest, I mean, a lot of people come from around to to hit that up. Wow, so, I, I, they do a good job. I guess what blew my mind. I can only recommend churros. <laughs> I don't know, churros make everything better. <laughs> <laughs> what what blew my mind? We've talked about this a little bit before. It it just doesn't. It never ceases to amaze me. Just how monster the Funko Pops are, man. Like. It's everywhere. And I'm I am relatively new to the Funko game. Mm-hmm. But because I'm new, I also kind of totally get it. Right. Because I have been uh submersed in this culture for 25 years and when the Funko Pops came out I was kind of like 
what the fuck ever. Right. Like, I don't care. Just another bobblehead. And, yeah. Like, right. It meant nothing to me. Right. Because and originally then, it was just like ad repeat. It was a uh, big boy and, you know. Sure. Ad stuff. Yeah. Which I get, yeah. And then, you know, around maybe a, a year back, um, or not even a year back, it was in the fall, uh, I was getting ready to start the school year and kind of like getting my desk together. And I, uh, I, my, my kids over the summer had just gotten into superheroes. So Clara really loves Supergirl. Noelle really loves Wonder Woman. And we were at Star Clipper and I saw a Supergirl and Wonder Woman Funko Pop. And I was like, oh, you know, I'd like to have something on my desk to remind me of the kids. Like, let me get a Supergirl and a Wonder Woman and it'll be like my little totems to my kids on my desk at work. I have 20 fucking Funko Pops on my desk. Like, as soon as I bought those two, I was like, oh, those are cool. And then all of a sudden, it's those little licenses. So it's like, then it evolves like, oh, man, what are some guys that I kind of aspired to be? So like, oh, here's a Mr. Rogers. Yep. Here's a Bob Ross. Yep. Here's a Ron Swanson. Yep. Here's a Conan O'Brien. Here's a Deadpool as Bob Ross. They do an amazing job of just hitting the right genres, the right movies. They, They get, I mean, even the weird... One-off type pops, like I'm trying to think of a. I guess The Shining. We're you know. Right. I mean, that's a very popular movie. Everybody knows The Shining. Jack Nicholas. Who the fuck would want a Shining toy? Right. You know what I mean? No one thinks of that, but they do. Right. Or like I think about today. You're like, I have a Ron Swanson pop at work, but it's the Ron Swanson you think of yes. in your head. We're walking around the con today. Here's a Ron Swanson pop with the dreadlocks and robe and burned off right. half mustache. From the one scene yes. from the one episode right. that, you know, it was like a throwaway joke yep. in season three. Right. I'm like, wait, someone made a toy of this exactly. version of this character? The same with what I was telling like, you. So with, bizarre. Uh, the new Office line coming out. People are loving. Mm-hmm. They can't wait for it. And the Kevin holding the chili because that random intro. Right. The cold intro to one episode. A cold intro to episode, you know. Nothing on epi- yeah. on season nine or, or five or whatever part it was. Kevin's spilling chili. But office people know that, yeah. love that. And relate immediately. And that connects so hard. They do such an amazing job of knowing what the people who love those licensings love. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if you love The Office, you will get this. Yeah, you they got I mean? the pulse, man. Yes. Or even like, or we got a couple of just random things. Monsters, Inc., right? Yeah. When you think Monsters, Inc., you think Sully, you think... Uh, a boo, Mike. Mike. You don't think chef. Yeah. But, or, or Roz. But when you get those, people, people love that shit. Them, man. They're like, yeah. They do such art. You know, like I said, are the South Park, there's, they use the, uh, the regular characters, but then they use the kids as the superhero characters that they do in two or three different episodes. You know what I mean? Yeah. South Park's been on for 20 years. They use the characters that are in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they sell like and crazy. Right. Like, funk, they just know. They do. And it blows my mind. They do. And they do a great job. They do a great right. job of making it, you know, collectible, but at the same time, community. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, it's well, a weird... It's a real approachable thing. As a collectible, it's very affordable. Yes. It's also something that, like... So as a collector, it's very easy to be a person that's like, oh, I want mint in box and the box protector. Right. But as a non-collector, it's also very easy to get the me who's right. like, oh, shit, man, I want a Wonder Woman on my desk at work. Box thrown like, away. Right. I, want, right. I want a Conan O'Brien because that makes me chuckle on my desk at work. Yes. And you have tons, you know, like you said, 
you go into a tattoo shop, you're going to see a bunch of Bob Rosses because that's yes. their guy. And you know, it's it's ten bucks, so of course right. it's a desk decoration. Right. But then for a collective for a collector, it can turn into a hundred dollar chase item. Right. So it's kind of the perfect toy. And now they're doing a great job too of not only hitting the pop culture things, but also sports. You have. You have MLB, mm-hmm. they have a football line, they have an MLB, or they have an NBA line, they have UFC. They have NHL lines. They you have got, NHL lines, yeah. Tarasenko. Got, exactly, I mean. RIP, down with 10 days with a concussion at least today, oh, know, going right? into the playoffs. At least Blues are in the playoffs, that's effing amazing. Ripping my heart apart. Um, but, you know, so now all of a sudden, you have sports nerds. Yeah. Who wouldn't wouldn't buy a He-Man pop or a Bob Ross pop. Sure. Who just bought a Vladimir Tarasenko or a Yadier Molina pop. Right, and now they're now they're hooked. To, now they're to, in to put it in their cubicle. And now they see a cool movie. They see Step Brothers. They right. see you know whatever. They see Kurt Cobain. They, yeah, you know, they, they do so many different genres that it's it's honestly it's pop culture. But they go just a tad in beyond every pop degree, culture. In every yes. it, it is whatever you can possibly be a fan of. They've got a fucking right. Funko. I gave my mother a pop Funko because she loves the Golden Girls. I would never give my mom right. a toy. And but she loves a golden girl. Your mom girls. also is probably never thinking in a million years about a golden girls thing. Right. I'm telling you, as right. soon as they get the mama's family license mama's and I can family. get a, I can get a mama's uh, pop for my sister, all me. I'm gonna do it. Yes. I'm gonna get her mama. I know there's I I follow Funko on Twitter. And you know they're gonna have to. Oh, they have point. to. Well that's what's great about the Funko. You know, they, they put out um, uh, surveys on Twitter all the time. Hey, what would you like to see next? So they really know what people want yeah. to see, and they already have an idea. So you say Mama's Family, so Mama's Family wins the thing. Next thing you know, you're going to see... It's in a week. Three different Mama's Family. Mama. Right. And then, what was it, Buddy? I forgot, I forgot the name. I, yeah. I'm, I love the was show. Bubba? But Bubba, I think it was, yeah. It was the younger yeah. grandson or whatever he was. I don't... I My only relationship with Mama's Family is it was my older sister's favorite thing, and it used to drive me fucking nuts. Yep. I used to hate it. Yep. And, like, the crazy thing is, like, now I talk to people that were, fi- like, a lot of people that are like-minded with me are fans of Mama's Family. Right. So I'd be willing to bet if I watch it now, I'd probably you'd think probably it's like funny. It. Yeah. I was probably the wrong age for it well, at the time, but I just... I don't know if you'd watch it now, because I, I, I can't say that it's aged well. I, I haven't watched it for a long time, <laughs> but it's one of those things where, like, when you go back and watch it, you're like, hmm, you kind of cringe a couple times. <laughs> right. Like, you might have been funny. shitty to minorities. <laughs> right, right. Now, having said that... I can go back and watch Blazing Saddles and still laugh my ass off. Oh, my God. But that would dude. never be made today. There is Blazing Saddles is the perfect example. Right. That movie never be is made. so goddamn funny. But also, like, there is a handful of jokes that I'm just like, ooh. Yeah. Ooh, the, the, the air is oh. thick. You know what's funny? Not funny. Well, it's kind of funny. I, went, I watched uh, Making of all the – because you know, Richard Pryor wrote a lot of that movie. He was really? supposed to be um, – what's the character's name? Um the sheriff. I can't think of the, the black sheriff's name. Oh, that was supposed to be Richard Pryor. Studio wouldn't sign off on it because he had all this kind of bad media yeah. going on at that, at that point. So him and Mel Brooks wrote that whole thing. And most of the white Jew jokes were Richard Pryor jokes that he wrote. And most of the black jokes were, <laughs> were Mel, Mel Brooks, Brooks jokes. jokes. So Right. <laughs> but nowadays, no shot. No way. You couldn't even, if that was on BET and it was all black joke, you still couldn't do it. No, you, you couldn't You couldn't do it. Um, You're, what I had just watched recently, there's another movie that I adore that given the uh, climate of today could never happen, Heathers. 
Oh, you're right. I, I you're right. I watched yes. that. Um, we were a lot of homosexual Netflix. type stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and just like high school kids killing each well, other. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> like, that's true. And yeah. and a lot of gay jokes. That's true. But didn't like, they try to bring that back? Was, Did they try to do a reboot of that? So they that's a musical right now, actually. Heather's is a musical. Yeah. Um, I love Christian Slater. But like, so we were we were scanning Netflix. You know, this might have been two, three months ago. And scroll past Heather's, and I kind of like, I kind of lit up because I hadn't seen Heather's in probably ten or fifteen years. Right. Um, and Libby was like, "What's that?" I was like, "What do you mean, what's that?" She's like, "I've never heard of that." It's like, "Oh, oh, honey, we just figured out what we're doing tonight." Do you feel the same sense and, of superiority that I feel when someone says that? <laughs> like, "Oh, I know something so great that you don't know." Shamefully, of course <laughs> yes. I do. I I love showing people great shit for the first right? time. Right, I know. I'm such an um, asshole. But it's probably because I have nothing better to do than find great shit. Right? I I consume a lot of goddamn media. Yes. It's funny because <laughs> it's probably not great for me. But I do so much it of it. It does mean I get it on the ground floor of a lot of things. Yes. Not that I was on the ground floor of Heather's. That was a huge movie. Well, that was like I, when I, 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 hey, I was. I was. But, a, I'm old. I was up there early and yeah, I loved Heather's. I was not. That's not a great example for me being Fair on enough. the ground floor right. of something. Right. But there is a lot of. Um, a lot of bands or a lot of comics or a lot of shows totally. that I'm on the ground floor of. But it's simply because I do not have discerning tastes. Right. I consume a lot of everything. Right. Yeah. And then I like to feel great right. about sharing the great things. But I don't tell everyone all of the awful things that I've wasted my time Right. On. That's how I was with, like, uh, The Walking Dead. And uh-huh. then when Preacher came out, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I know all about this stuff, guys. You know, I had this yeah, fucking... I'm the authority. Right. Like, I'm... I'm arrogant about The Walking Dead and Preacher. Like, no one wants to talk to you. Right. One, they don't give a fuck. Fuck you, you pretentious <laughs> right. asshole. You're pretentious about, about Preacher. comic books. A 10-year-old comic that no one had any idea about until Seth Rogen's stone motherfucker put it on TV. Right. And now you're going to somehow take credit for knowing about it. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. I am. You're right. I am. And I'm going to sleep just fine doing <laughs> it. That was great, actually. Yeah. You're damn right. <laughs> I don't even know but, where that yeah, started. That, but, that, yeah. that shit just could not be made anymore. <clears throat> no, oh my God. In, in today's not, not, climate. N- you know, I say that. Well, no, I think no, it couldn't. <clears throat> I like to think that it could, but there's the, a certain. It's not that it couldn't. <clears throat> it's that it couldn't gain the notoriety it did. Because no reputable studio would risk would it. Would put, put money on it. You're right. That's that's the problem. And I think that's isn't like, that shitty? Yeah. Because you know I'm not to, I'm not saying that saying racial slurs or gay slurs are just in themselves funny. They're not. But when you contextualize them in an appropriate story, exactly. That it's it, that's what to me is lost on a lot of people is the the motivation or the. The motivation behind the word. Because the words aren't bad. They're, they're words. Mm-hmm. They've done nothing wrong. It's the racist people or the ignorant people behind them saying them in certain states that are the problem. But just the word being said isn't a bad word. You know what I mean? I know it's a hard sell it's, for a middle-aged white guy. I, I, I'm, not <laughs> saying, I'm not saying I can yeah, get away with saying I, certain words. I'm not saying that by I, any means. I don't know. I I, I just think more along the lines of, like, what a studio is willing to take a risk on. Well, and I agree. For but, any given... Like, I but think to me, that's a bummer. The, because that limits totally, so much. Totally. But I, when I think about that, I think more in the sense of, like, say... 
in an Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. So, after the success of Star Wars, here's this huge, huge franchise, or potential franchise, this huge money maker, right? And the studio allows George Lucas, who doesn't really have much of a name at this point, make a movie where a, a big budget action movie where let's let's break this down. The huge battle, the huge special effects nut is busted in the first 20 minutes on Hoth. Everything that you marketed is in the first 20 minutes. Um, you have a huge chunk of the story being carried by a puppet on a foggy swamp. And you have the biggest turning point in pop culture and the Vader reveal not even known by the cast and you're telling a studio to say i'm selling you on this that go the the big three that they built the luke leia han Mm -hmm. in the first movie appear in the same scene for like 45 seconds of the whole two-hour film right that film nobody makes that movie today and in those 45 seconds risk it's all incestuous right (laughs) nobody takes that risk right and right. we, as the consumers, are robbed of it. Right. And let's also, just for a second, uh, toot Mark Hamill's horn. Because let's also think about that movie works so well because Mark Hamill's an incredible actor. And that I think that gets lost a I lot agree. because he was Luke. Yeah. But also think, a main selling point of that movie is built on two scenes, or two two moments. One is a huge amount of time where... Mark Hamill is selling you by himself with a puppet. Right. Mark Hamill right. is acting through a huge emotional growth against a puppet in a time when that didn't happen. And then after that, he then sells the greatest turn in pop culture history while not hearing the line because right. they because they, they didn't want him. the cast to know right. that Vader was his dad. You're right. So Hamill had to act that with his face and his eyes and everything with that entire emotional journey without action like twice he yeah. had to sell huge cruxes of that movie without acting off anyone that is a goddamn gift it's pretty good that is a treasure it's pretty good for all of us and that gets overlooked i, think. I agree i no. don't know how i got down that path no i'm glad you did a studio is not going to take those risks anymore you're absolutely right that being said disney did throw like half a billion dollars at guardians of the galaxy so maybe they will take that that calculated risk. You started thinking about it. And you were like, like, and the main character of the puppet. I'm like, these things all sound fantastic. Like nowadays, right? Like right now, that's but that's it's, be, a, it's that's because a net, it's you go to Netflix, you get three seasons think. minimum, right there. Right. You you come up with that pitch. Oh, we're we're in. Right. Do you want ten seasons? You want ten episodes or twelve? But it's not a risk anymore because it's not right because because Hamill made it work. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he's done so much that you know. I mean, lately I think he's gotten more credit, especially like a lot of his voice acting work and things. He did some great stuff as a Joker and things oh like that. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, but, you know, he went on that, especially after the accident when he looked a little different. Right. Um, you know, I think that kind of hurt him, obviously. But, you know, he got he gets, I don't want to say shit on, because he doesn't get shit on. He just gets forgotten. Very typecast and very, yeah, because in a weird way, Carrie Fisher had a more successful acting career. Right. Than Mark Hamill did, well, on paper, as far as, sure, you know, because and she, she did had more... a huge writing career. Oh, big time. It was wildly successful, because that's the path she chose to go down. Right. But if you think about those big three, I mean, you've got 
Carrie Fisher, who chose a writing career because she didn't like being sexualized as a teenager, right. as, as Leia, which I fully respect, yep. goes on to have an incredible career as a writer. And then Harrison Ford becomes Harrison fucking Ford, right. becomes the biggest goddamn actor of 40 years. Um, that should have been Mark Hamill. <clears throat> right, right. Like, th- that path, I don't know. I'd be interested to look further into how that went the way it did. Because Mark Hamill is a treasure. Yeah. Do you think it all just goes to, you know, I don't, I don't know shit about acting and managing, but is it just your manager? What you get offered? I don't know. You know what I mean? Because not to say Harrison Ford's fantastic, right. great. Lando Calrissian is fucking amazing. Yeah. And, and Billy, Billy D. Williams, Williams had is a fucking, career. He did, but really, what's he known for? He's known for that and Colt 45. Right. Can you tell me? And no? Harvey Dent. Uh, you're right. You know what? I, no, he's not known for that. He's no not one, known for it. No one remembers. But I was yeah. gonna say, can you tell me another movie we he's do. done, really, other than Batman? You can't. I can't. Um, you know, not to say that Mark Hamill wasn't—he wasn't in a lot of movies as far sure. as that. But he did a t- amazing. But voice he was stuff. the face of the franchise. That's like Lando. Well, and, while, while while Billy D was awesome in that, he was a, a side character in Empire. And supporting cast in Jedi. True. And, and was great and deserved to move on. But you could argue Billy D. Williams became more recognizable than Mark Hamill after Star Wars. I, absolutely. I think it's a very good argument. You it's know, easily like, argued. And and Mark Hamill. You know who Luke was, Skywalker is. Sure. You don't know who Mark Hamill right. always is. And Mark right. Hamill was the face of the franchise and was a really good actor, too. Right. Like that that's the thing that gets me. I agree. Is it's like the dude, it's one thing to be, you know. Rob Pattinson was the face of huge Twilight. Right. Can he act or not? I don't know. Right. But whether he becomes a huge... Well, he is a huge fucking star. That's yeah, amazing. that hurts, I know. But, um, like, Mark Hamill carried a franchise, and as we just discussed, could act his ass off. Yeah. So, where those parts went... Did he choose to not... Did he, did he choose to step away, which is very possible, you right. know, in a Carrie Fisher type way? She chose to step out of the <laughs> limelight. Um. I, I, I don't know. Like, and, you know, and not to say that Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill are one of the same, you know, I, you, you can't, I hate when people compare sure. actors. There's not, you know, like, it's like apples a, and oranges. Right. You know, this is, you know, certain, uh, people work in certain, you know, certain roles or whatever. Right. And, you know, and maybe Harrison and Ford just got off. just work differently. Right. And, and that's how it is. And, and like Harrison said, Ford became Indiana Jones. Exactly. During, during the Star Wars. Thing. Right. So, you know, and that he was a leading, he was a leading right man right. in his own right at right. the same time. And, and you know, and in his, Harrison Ford's defense, because he needs defense, he was a co-star in mm-hmm. Star Wars. And the next thing you know, he's being offered, you say, Indiana Jones. Right. Uh, and he was, Patriot, you know, all he, the, he was the more, action-centric character. Oh, absolutely. And, right. you know, like Han Solo, if you look at Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, Han Solo is the one you look at as the action hero. True. Um, whereas Luke Skywalker is the traditional, the hero's journey, the emotional hero. Right. Talking about uh, Harrison Ford and stuff, we were talking about the toys. Two things that I hadn't seen ever. I, if I had, the weed has wiped it away. <laughs> You know, Empire Strikes Back, my favorite Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, early with the Tauntauns. Mm-hmm. I had a Tauntaun. It mm-hmm. came with the uh, Han Solo with the hood. Yeah, the parka. Yes, great. 
at the toy convention, uh, well, I didn't see it there. I saw it online before. I was looking for it at the toy convention. The um, Tauntaun with the sliced belly that he put Luke in. I had never seen that as a kid. That is bonkers. And also, you could never make that today. <laughs> PETA would kick your ass even if you slid open an imaginary animal's stomach. You're Tell probably me I'm wrong. true. You're probably right. People uh, for the ethical treatment of fake animals. So, right. PIFA. PIFTA. PIFTA. Whatever, yeah. Oh. That, and then also they had Indiana Jones, um, The Well of Souls, which I'd never seen. Yeah. I, uh, what was the other one I had? I forget now. Um, the Well of Souls and, oh, I think it was The uh, Snake Pit. Is that what it was? I think one of those. Yeah. But yeah. I had never seen those as toys as a kid. I did. I, I remember only... seeing Indiana Jones Jeep. Yeah. Things like that. But I never remember. Because um, I remember having an Indiana Jones. They were the same thing as G.I. Joe. Uh-huh. Maybe even Star Wars. I can't remember if they had. Because, you know, G.I. Joe, you could bend the arms. Star right. Wars, you cannot bend the arms. Right. Um, and I can't remember if they were the bendable or not. But they had um, Indiana Jones. Um, and then I had, I had an Indiana Jones with a whip and a gun, and then the uh, the guy with the big sword. Like when he remember the, oh, we just pulled the gun out the and shot him. Yes, yeah. I had those two characters. That's all I had from Indiana Jones. I had no idea there was more. I I to never that. had any indie toys, um, but I do remember the um, like the the booby trap set up from the beginning of. Uh, Raiders. I remember that as a playset with with the oh, boulder yes. that rolled down. Yeah. Oh yes, I do. I, remember, I remember seeing that. Yeah. I remember yes. that existing. I never had it for whatever reason. I didn't have any Indiana Jones toys, which is really kind of strange to me because when the third indie came out, how old were you? How, so where were you in that? I was born in eighty seven. Okay. Okay. So I would have. Um, but the reason it's surprising isn't because I would have. But like when I was buying toys and getting into. Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all of that shit. The only bit of any of that that my dad liked was Indiana Jones. And my dad was into Indy the first time around. Right. So, like, that's the one thing that I would have assumed my dad would have been like, oh, get this toy. Oh, get this toy. Right. So that's why I'm surprised. It's just because my dad never pushed me down that path. Gotcha. Um, because yeah. he got Indy. He didn't get Star <laughs> Wars. My dad has been immensely supportive of me my whole life, but as a musician, playing in punk bands, my dad's not a big music guy. He just showed, but he always showed up and supported. Uh, awesome. Doing comic books and pop culture shit, my dad doesn't give a good goddamn about it, but he's always really supportive. Right. So, like, it's, it's he's wonderful. Right. But, like, indie would have been the thing. That right. would have been the one right. that you would have thought, like, so not, he would have been like, here you go. Not to all of a sudden get, you know, uh, like a psychic chair or a psychic, psychic. Sure. Uh, therapist. Chair. Ther- yeah, therapist chair. So what was the connection with you guys? Was, uh, it, was it the sport? Was it the hockey? It, it was, so my dad is very much a, uh, a man of simple pleasures. My dad loves sports, um, loves the Cardinals, really likes football, which I, I and I hate football, um, <laughs> likes hockey. We didn't have a good exposure to it as kids. So right. Around, right. Um, my dad's a big sports guy, um, and he's just, my dad's kind of the, the definition of a family man. He, he worked really hard to, to support his kids, um, but it was very much like, come home from work, maybe have a whiskey, 
watch Sports Center, go to sleep, do it all over again. Right. Um, and our so our connection was always sports. It was really like growing up. He didn't necessarily. He never really understood me. Um, as a like, I played music and went to art school. Right. Like, um, I was by all means a weird kid. <laughs> um, but man, I'll be goddamned. My dad didn't support the shit out of uh. all of it. Always loved it. Can't ask anymore. Um, right. Right. But baseball has definitely been the. That's the, the common denominator. That's the same way with my dad. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's funny when you get older. Somehow you learn more about your right. parents. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, like, definitely. Like why didn't I know this when I was younger? Yeah. Um, you know when I was when I was younger, same kind of thing. Uh, you know my parents they separated, but I was. It was eighth grade when I, they split up. So you know, so I still have a lot of memories of my dad and everything. Um, we were big into baseball. This is all in Springfield for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I played select baseball. We, before the Cardinals were there. Right. Big time before the Cardinals. Shit. Long time before the Springfield Cardinals were there. So, we're, you know, I did that. We, we, I was on that select team. So, we, you know, traveled a little bit. You know, not Arkansas. Sure. Regional Iowa, travel. Right. You know, nothing, nothing fancy. But, you know, still. Sure. Still great. You know, and he, he was, my dad, when he was younger, um, he got drafted the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, when oh, he, wow. you know he, never, he never went past like sure. a double A ball or anything. But, you know. That was a big connection. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, this is what my dad was into. Yeah. This is what, you know. And then my parents got divorced. And we moved to St. Louis. My dad stayed in Saint, in Springfield. Um, you know, this will totally move into well, our, sure. originally we were going to talk about music, you know. Yeah. So this moved, so when I moved up here, I started getting into music. Uh-huh. Um, everything. And, you know, I, I played more punk music and stuff like that. I was into that big time, but I was into everything. And then you come to find out, which I had no idea till I was in high school, almost done with high school, my dad was in a band when he was in high school. You know what I mean? Really? And he played guitar, and they had this, and the lead singer of the band eventually won a Grammy. You know what I mean? So right. you know, he was, it was the same, wow. <laughs> shit repeats itself. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. You know what I mean? So then that became a connection. Sure. Um, but it was the same, but baseball has always been, it sounds so... You know, so middle America, uh, right? White, white boy thing, right? But, but honestly, baseball. Anytime we didn't know what to talk about, we could talk about the Cardinals right. or whatever was going on. Oh, you know, and and have a good, right. a, a real conversation about. Yeah. It. You know, what I mean, it wasn't just like, hey, how the Cardinals doing? It was you in that depth, was, and we really followed it, and, right? And, well, yeah. I mean, I think about it as so, like I was saying earlier, watching my kids get jazzed about saying Star Wars today, right. like. That was me playing baseball for my dad. Right. My dad grew up every day, him and his friends, walking to the school nearby, playing pickup baseball until until sun went down, yep. and then going home and doing it again the next day. Right. My um, when my dad met my mom, my dad was a my dad was a hell of a soccer player. Um, his coach was my is my grandpa, but not his dad, my mom's dad. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, like, and my mom's dad. It was, like, on the Olympic team. It was oh, all shame soccer player. Right, wow. So, like, he coached my dad, and then my dad ends up meeting my mom, and then, like, my mom's going to, she's going to introduce my dad to her family, which could be very intimidating, because my mom has four brothers um, who are all maniacs. My uncles are the greatest dudes in the world, but they're nut jobs. Right. Um, and my grandpa. <laughs> and my mom tells my dad, like, hey, you know, I'm going to introduce you to the fit, like, you know, kind of prepping her for it. And he walks in, and he goes, oh, shit, bud, what's up? <laughs> right. And, like, that was their thing. And that was growing up very much, like, for me and my dad, 
you know, I was into comic books and drawing and music. Um, but we always loved watching baseball together and connect together. And then it was when I was in high school and I had started in bands, there was this band, uh, called blinded black. Okay. That I went, uh, and some of the guys I went to high school with and they ended up getting signed to a label and, um, had pretty moderate level of success, um, touring for, for a good couple of years. Um, their bass player had left right as they were signing this record deal. Um, and they were auditioning bass players. And so I went to high school with the guys, and they were like, John, why don't you come, come play with us for a day, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. Right. So I jammed with them, and it went well. Um, and they, they kind of told me, they were like, all right, you know, we're, we're playing with a few other guys, but if this were to go through, you know, we want to let you know we're, we're touring. They were all a year older than me, so I was going into my senior year of high school. Okay. So they were all out of high school, except for the drummer was a year younger than me, and they were like, you know, we've got it set up. If we go on tour, that he'll get a tutor to finish his GED or whatever. Um, like, if that's a deal breaker for you, we need to know now. Um, and I was like, I don't know. And they weren't even offering me the spot. They were right. they were just like being up front. Right. Um, because they ended up going with another guy I went to high school with, which was a great choice for them. The dude was a killer bass player. Um, but so I, when I went home, I talked to my parents about it. And it was weird because my mom is like, the the music person in my family so she would have been so like i was kind of expecting it to be an easy sell for her and then for my dad to be a little iffy um and i'd tell him i was like hey i auditioned with this band and they were kind of familiar with him because we'd played shows with them before so they'd seen him I was like, I you know I, I i think it went kind of well but they did tell me this is kind of their trajectory um so you know, before I go any further with these conversations, even like, where do you think about it? Cause I'm fucking 17. Like, right. Like I can make these choices for myself. Right. And my dad tells me a story. He never told me before. He said, regardless of what your mother says, when we got married, like my parents got married when my mom was 20 and my dad was 22 mm -hmm. and my dad was still playing a lot of sports. And my dad was trying to play baseball. And he said, Diane, we don't have kids right now. If I find an opportunity to play baseball for $50 a week, I'm going to do it. Right. And my mom supported it. Right. And then, you know, when they started having kids, that, that one. Reassess. Right. Um, so my dad told me, he was like, this is your playing baseball for $50 a week. If this is what you have to do, I'm behind you 100%. Oh, that's fantastic. And it was incredible. Right. And it turns out they ended up going with a different guy and it didn't happen. Well, but, but like in that moment, it was yeah. like, oh, now I get it. Right. Like we get each other right. in a way. Like I, he understood music and art was my baseball. Yep. It, it means a lot to have someone in your family who can relate to that. You right. Know, when you have, I'm not, I'm not by no means calling myself an artist, but you know, I was in bands. I was, you know, so I tend to float more towards those sensibilities, you know, as mm -hmm. far as that kind of thing. And when you have someone in your family that you can connect with on that level, I hope makes you feel so much more normal right um because you know for the longest time you're like is this a it thing just feels is this... so unattainable right 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 because it feels no matter if what kind of music art whatever you're into if you don't have someone right around you that says that that's cool or that's whatever you feel like you're on the outside right and it just it feels so well, unattainable you feel like that world is a million miles away yeah. because when right. you're young the only version of that being successful that you see is what's on the radio 
or the movie that's showing in the theater. Right. When you're 15, you don't understand that, oh, no, there are local professional working musicians right. that are musicians that just play every night but are, but are local. You don't see that there's local artists that are successful without making a billion dollars. Your right. only version of what successful art is is being a millionaire. Yep. And you don't see the middle class artists. Agreed. But then when you get older and all of a sudden you realize like, oh no, a lot of people did choose to kind of chase this whimsy and found, you know, the same degree of success a middle class person would. Right. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, this isn't unattainable. Right. This isn't we This are... isn't this weird mystical thing. Right. Oh. We're so far off our original topic, which, yeah. was, which was toys, toys, which is fine. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Uh, should we just keep barreling through music? Hey, man. I don't see why not. I think we should. We'll, uh, we're going to open a new beer, and we will be right back. So, we're past that. We, we took our toys. We turned it into a whole mess of all kinds of different things we were talking about. We got to exercise my demons totally. in my childhood. We, right? <laughs> we started talking about music because, you know, both of us love music. We were in bands. Really, everything I do brings me back somehow to that 15 to 18-year-old me. Right. Uh, that mindset that, you know, I don't want to say I was just all punk rock type stuff. But I had that punk rock mindset. And I think it carries with me today. Um, well, I, I, you know, I think... Uh, you know, I was I started my first punk band. I say quotation marks stealing your movie, right? Yeah, because um, it was way more of a pop punk band uh, when I was in the eighth grade. Something so, so two thousand one. Okay, and then played actively until oh seven oh eight. Um, had a fair amount of success that like. That kind of DIY building something attitude play, and that feels like kind of what I'm. Doing. I was telling my wife when I was like, "Oh man, you know, we've been doing this podcast now for a few weeks, and we're kind of building this shop, and it's it feels like being in a band, again. right? Yeah, you know, it's it, it, yeah. it's the same feeling, like that, that of, grassroots marketing kind of thing. Yeah, you know, just like building something instead of throwing up of uh, instead of throwing up a flyer at the local record store. You do a podcast. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, it right. really it kind of feels that way. It's the equivalent of standing outside the food court at the mall. And handing out your handing tape. Out or whatever. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Because yes. I know I did more than my fair share of that and pissed off a lot of store owners in doing so. You see there, I said handing out your tape and you said handing out your CD. Right. <laughs> and you see how anyone younger than either of us is like, what right. the fuck are they talking about? They talking about? <laughs> Why didn't they just email it to their friend? Why don't you give them a download code? This right. is stupid. Right. This is bullshit. <laughs> you should have been streaming anyway. So, totally. Why is it on SoundCloud? That's ridiculous. Right. Uh, I remember speaking of SoundCloud. Do <laughs> uh, you remember when Pure Volume first hit? No. What is Pure Volume? Oh, man. So Pure Volume was like the first uh, kind of streaming service. So okay. it was like, it was kind of social media. It was like MySpace-ish. Yeah. Except you didn't have, um, you didn't have like individual person profiles. You just had like band pages. Okay. Okay. And you okay. could just stream their music okay. on their page. Um, it came out, it was probably 05, 06 ish. Right. Okay. But it was the first time, like, I remember when someone was like, oh, check out my band on pure volume. I'd be like, what is this <laughs> fucking world? Like, MySpace was kind of MySpace in. 
But, like, even when MySpace was big, it was, like, a band would have their page and have, like, a single. So after Napster? Post-Napster. I was a Napster motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, my God. I cleaned we up were... on Napster at work. But Napster was... Man, I, so, uh, me and my buddy, Justin, uh-huh. were at a show, Friday Night Typesetter was in town. Um, who, this is going to come full circle, because Typesetter is this awesome band from Chicago. And their lead singer is a guy that I grew up with who was the lead singer of my first band. Okay. Um, so they were in town on tour, um, and they usually pop through about once or twice a year. So I, so we always make it a point to go catch them. And we were there, and we were talking about uh, slow download speeds yes. and shit. And we were talking about Napster being like, or we were talking about, we were bitching, he was bitching about his phone. He was like, man, I thought I didn't even get a new phone. I was downloading this, this app or whatever, and he was like, took like six or seven minutes like my phone's got a problem and i was like motherfucker do you remember sitting in your dad's basement staying up literally six hours to download a single fucking two and a half minute get up kids song on napster like don't don't give me this shit yep there's where you came from bitch it won't i won't spoil anything but in captain marvel there's a great because it happens in the 90s Uh so they go to like plug in a file and it you know it's waiting, it's waiting. Uh-huh. Everybody's looking around. She's like, what's going on? Nick Fury, it's downloading. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's taking a while. It's, yeah. it's, great. it's a great little line. But yeah, totally, I mean. But yeah, like Pure Volume was that first one that I was like, wait a minute, I can just get on the internet and push play, and this band's going to give me like seven tracks right? that I can just play? And then that, I feel like, evolved into the Spotify's and the oh, yeah. and what today is. But yeah, that was like <laughs> the end of my... Towards the end of my, like, music career, or okay. at least my, I mean, I still play when I get a chance to, but the end of me trying to be a professional musician, right. like, pure volume was, I was like, oh, shit, like, you mean guys are just uploading their shit and you can just, like, hit play on your computer? You need to have, it's amazing. you need to have DSL for that. I'm still on 56K <laughs> dial, right? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, showing the age right there. Yeah. So I wanna... And again, any younger listeners, like, right. fuck you, old man. What the hell's that? Right. So I want to back up even more. Mm-hmm. Before all that, mm-hmm. when you're a kid, when you're not able to choose your own radio station, sure. what's playing in your house, in your parents' car? What are you guys listening to when you're a kid? Uh, my dad, like I said earlier, not a music guy at right. all. So it was always sports radio, talk radio for my dad. Um, that being said, dad worked a bunch. So sure. mom was usually around the house or, or driving us around. Um, we were a Casey house. Yep. Classic rock. So it was a lot of so in the nineties then we're talking a lot of seventies rock. Okay. Was was happening around my house. Um a lot of rush. A lot of not a ton of rush. No. Actually. My mom wasn't big on rush, but uh mamas and the papas. Okay, okay. Um my dad while my dad doesn't love music, dad fucking loves Super Tramp. Really? So okay. Uh, okay. Crime of the Century. Still top five favorite records all time. I love that record. I'll defend it till I die. And if anybody out here listening is a hater on Supertramp because it's not cool, you can kiss my ass. Crime of the Century rules. Breakfast in America, kind of bullshit. Yeah. But Crime of the Century rules. Solid. Um, so it was a lot of Supertramp. Um, <laughs> my uncle was big into music too. So uh, Ted Nugent played around my house a fair amount. Um uh, Billy Joel was big. yeah. So was him, a, Billy Joel just a lot of a lot of that kind of really traditional 
70s Just rock. The, the, yeah, the classic stuff on the radio. Yeah, right. the, the stuff that... The stuff that most kids of the 70s that grew to- up right. on, yeah. I kind of grew up on um, through yeah, my mom. And, you know, my dad, my parents basically the same. Um, you know, looking, not knowing at the time that my dad was a musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I look back on it, you know, he loved uh, Springsteen. Yeah. Um, he loved, like, I don't know if you know who, Ozark Mountain Daredevils. Oh, yeah. You know, he loved the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. He's a Willie That's Nelson. Springfield then you're showing up. Big time, right? Um Doobie Brothers, okay. Willie Nelson, yeah. you know, rock, country, the country kind of rockish, you know, yeah. that, you know, um, especially there in like the 70s and 80s, there was a good little sure. mix. Yeah, um, that kind of southern rock. Right, um, even feel. into like Fleetwood Mac, the yeah. Eagles, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, uh, we were around my grandparents a lot um, on my dad's side. Uh, there was two kinds of music. There was country and western. <laughs> That's all they had. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, sure. Especially in Springfield. It was... Sure. And not that... I mean, but it was great. I still love it. It was Johnny Cash. It was Randy Travis. It was... Merle Haggard. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, I'm trying to think. Even Elvis. You know, I got... Sure. I got my first day to Elvis really as a country type person. Um, you know, and then... Like what you say, somewhere... It was probably... Freshman year, eighth grade... The cool uncle gives me uh, Elvis Costello, um, Violent Femmes, and Uncle Tupelo CDs. Cheese and rice, dude! What an introduction! Right? I had and like this, that's that that's not introduction shit. That's blew that, my mind. That's, that's yes. next level blew, good music. Blew my mind and really throwing Uncle Uncle Tupelo yes. records. Um, give me some early Jeff Tweedy. Oh, it was fucking amazing, and it just. You know, and from the Elvis Costello, honestly, that led me into punk. Oh, absolutely. that got me to The Clash, that got me to The Ramones. Speaking of which, have you listened to the, came out a few years ago, Elvis Costello with The Roots record? I have, yes. Eyes Up Ghost? Yes. Oh, that record rules. great. I spin that regularly yes. for my kids. That is one of the few, like, my record shelf is low so my kids can pick out music, um, and that's, like, the big one they pull big out yep. regularly. Yep. And it still took me probably five more years before I figured out figured out the Violent Femmes. Uh, uh, what's the big song? Blister um, in the Sun was about jacking off. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> no one bothered to tell me. Um, but you know, I like you said, what a selection. You know, Elvis Costello, like you said, or Vaseline was the Violent. Well, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Elvis Costello gets you into like you know. Um, English punk, you know, right. and that kind of, you know. In that Billy Bragg world. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't punk, but it was punk, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it, 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 it was clash like especially back world. then, Costello was, you know, well, especially. Like, I mean, Joe Strummer, just like, I, whether it was the Clash or the Mescaleros or, like, Joe yep. Strummer is just. Great. That's it. Amazing, yeah. 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 That was, like, you know, it's, this might cost me some street cred, but let's be I didn't have any. Um <laughs> My introduction, kind of, to uh, what became punk rock for me was goddamn Smash Mouth. Really? Um, Fushu Mang, yeah. that first record. Yeah. First of all, I'll defend. It's got jams. I'm I not like going to sit it. here and I'm say it's incredible, yeah. but it's got jams. Yeah. Um, that record came out when I was probably in fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. When, like, Walking on the Sun hit the point and shit. Yep. Um and I won't, I won't crush your, the, I won't crush your childhood. <laughs> I, 
Well, so no one gets in trouble. Uh-huh. A friend of a friend was a DJ at a radio station uh-huh. that used to have local festivals, right? Uh-huh. Smash Mouth played one. He asked to get paid in crack. <laughs> doesn't doesn't crush my dreams it at does, all. You, That's even more punk rock. You, you know what kind of amazed me was that he did crack, yet he was kind of a chubby guy. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. I'm not saying he wanted all crack. He, Partial crack. He wanted some crack. crack, a little cash Just to have a little, little crack. Because east side's close. Who doesn't want a little anyway, crack? Anyway, that's my little, that's my celebrity story for the day. Uh, <laughs> my Smash Mouth celebrity story. But like, that first record has a lot of really good ska punk oh. B-sides on it. Yes. And uh, so I first heard that and like got that CD and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And that really quickly kind of evolved into... um ska punk which was really my first start so like uh smash mouth turned into goldfinger Mm -hmm. turned into real big fish Mm -hmm. turned into less than jake turned into mu330 um you're 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 naming all the bands on my list here you gotta shut up (laughs) you got one more left (laughs) And and then all of those turned into like and then a very few short years after that Enema of the State dropped, and Blink-182, like... Took over. Changed the game. Yeah. That, yeah. that all of a sudden opened all these doors where, like, Blink was doing Blink things, but... but so my first... My first big concert that I went to that was mine was the Take Off Your Pants and Jacket tour yeah. in 2001. And it was Blink, and then opening for them was Newfound Glory and Alkaline Trio. Oh, shit. So I go to that show at 13 years old. And I'm going to hear all the small things. Right. And I leave like, oh, shit, I need to get every NFG record and every Alkaline Trio record. Right. And then that turns into H2O. And that turns into fucking Gorilla Biscuits. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm 14 years old, 15 years old, like totally immersed in this like East Coast DIY punk scene. Right. That I'm fucking like i want that so goddamn badly um i got rancid no effects patches i was in mxpx i was all about yeah man um it's same kind of way it's like i said a little bit earlier um so you know my parents are into this i'm you know and then i i in the 80s it's Huey Lewis in the news. Right. I'm not gonna lie you know what i mean i love some Huey Lewis in the news i mean it's hip to be square absolutely you know and, and then it's hard to it's probably really alternative radio, as I throw up the air quotes uh-huh. again, because I really started thinking about this. When alternative radio hit, alternative radio was everything that wasn't classic rock. Right. I got exposed to Beastie Boys, to Pearl Jam, to oh, Blues shit. Traveler, to, I mean, everything from rap to folk was on alternative radio. It was everything. So that I started thinking about that's why I love I think everything honestly was alternative radio. Yeah, oh yeah. It just blew up because anything that wasn't it wasn't it even didn't fit a mold. Right. Um it's just you lumped in there. And I and I love and I still to this day love it all. I'm a huge Pearl Jam guy. I love I still love early, even now Pearl Jam, early Pearl Jam. That was one of my first mm. uh, ever uh, live concerts was Pearl Jam. It was a free show at Union Station. They opened for the Indigo Girls. Jesus Christ. I only went because my mom went to see the Indigo Girls. My mom is a straight woman. Yeah. She's not gay. <laughs> but she liked the Indigo Girls. Yeah. Closer to fine. Whatever. Whatever you're, you know. Uh, Pearl Jam opened up at a free concert at the parking lot Union Station. Uh-huh. Blue, it was right as 10 came out. 
blew me away. First concert I ever went to and paid for, Stone Temple Pilots and the Meat Puppets. Well, at a big concert, you know what I mean? I went to lots of small places. I saw Nirvana at a club. I saw fucking Green Day at a club. But then somewhere in there, I don't even know what it was. I think it's when we all come back to that that sense of belonging, that sense of community. Yeah. Scott Punk fucking roped me in. 97, I'm 19 years old. It's perfect. I got MU30. I got Mustard Plug. I got Less Than Jake. I got Skank and Pickle. I got I all these fucking bands. I would go see at clubs. I wouldn't. Yeah. You, you don't go see them at right arenas and shit. You go see at clubs. You jump on the stage. You'd skank a bit. Mm-hmm. You jump off. You were involved. Yeah, it's just like what we. It's it was part of the team. It's That's part what, of it. Still, there's I I go to shows all the. I am me and Justin. We're at club shows most of the time. Yeah, like because that was what we did in high school. It was like every weekend. It was like. All right, I don't know. I don't. Someone's going to be at the Creepy Crawl, Galaxy. or at the Galaxy, yep. or at Mississippi Nights, yep. um, or at the fucking High Point. Yep. And we're just going to go find out. Right. We're just going to show up. Five ten bucks. I'm going to go for the night. And yep. we're going to we're going to hop in the pit and we're going to stir some shit up. Right. Might get punched in the face. Right. Might piss off an old fucking punk rock dude. That's right. Might fucking someone might be trying to sell us. Drugs in the alley right. when we're fourteen. Probably Doesn't see, matter. Probably gonna see Beetle Bob. That's what we did. Right. Always <laughs> gonna see Beetle Bob. Um, but so your last story um, hit me on two things that I had to jump on. One, and a quick side note that's also gonna speak to your Springfield roots. When I was living in Springfield in college, uh, a buddy and I were downtown drinking at a bar, mm-hmm. and we had no idea this show was going on. My buddy Brandon, who interestingly enough now his wife watches my kids, small fucking weird world. Um, we're sitting at a bar, drinking. Someone out of nowhere offers us two free tickets to see Blues Traveler at the Galoy. Oh, shit. And so we were there in the pit, and it fucking ruled. It was unreal. I bet. And this was 2009, probably 2009, 2010, right. yeah. in that ballpark. And I was shocked that very drunk and in the pit, I still remembered every word to the fast part of Hook. Because that nice. track rips. Yes. Um, you know what else I love by Blue Traveler? Just throw out there. But anyway. Oh. Uh, soundtrack to um, um, Woody Harrelson, uh, the bowling movie. Uh, Kingpin. Kingpin. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's a jam. It's a jam. It's a good track. I like Blue Traveler, man. Uh, yeah, dude. Blue Traveler is great. <laughs> that's, that's. I loved Hook when yes. I was a kid. Like I said, I still remember yeah. and run around. Yeah. Jams. Yeah. But then seeing them live, fifteen years after ever thinking about them. I still remember, and they ripped, dude. They killed that. The set more the I, the more I think about alternative radio, and it's not the same as it used to be. It's still very broad, but like I said, I could turn on the radio and I could hear Blues Traveler, and then the next song would be Rage Against the Machine, right? And then maybe I'd hear No Doubt. You know, right. it, it was, and then you'd hear when No Doubt was skanking, skanking, no right? You know, because. I was, I was, I'm Shit, a, a, Tragic Kingdom. It's great. Easily. I saw, I, one of my favorite bands I, ever is 311. I, okay. I love, because I was writing that. I love sure. the rap rock thing. Uh-huh. I got my turntables in there. I, you know, uh, I'm not going to lie. I still love Limp Bizkit. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a fuck. I was, I had a red backwards fucking hat. 
Fred Durst is still cool. I don't give a fuck oh, what you say. Oh, no. You can't, oh, you can't like, persuade me. This is your Val Kilmer moment. <laughs> this is your Val Kilmer moment. You're not going to sway me. I, I don't need to. No. Just no. as I will defend my Val Kilmer Batman, Fred you're, Durst is your Val Kilmer. You're dude. telling me you fuck don't get fired dude. up when break stuff hits? Fuck that, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I did love Limp Bizkit when I was in the seventh grade. And they see, were, and see they, I would have been probably, what, 20? They, <laughs> they were one of my first favorite. I, I was real into Limp Bizkit and Corn and the Deftones. Love Deftones, yeah. Deftones still jam. <laughs> and that Corn, comes from Corn and Limp Tour. Bizkit did not age well. Deftones did. White Pony is a great oh, uh, fucking I'm not going to lie. That's a great Deftones is still great. I'm not going to say all of Limp Bizkit is still great. The first couple albums, to me, is still great. Uh, Counterfeit, still a fun track. Faith, base, still a fun their track. Their bass player rips. Yeah. Um, and as bass was my primary instrument, so I do, I do really enjoy some of his arrangements. Like uh, what was uh, rearranged? Was that the the, the track? The, that was they have, they have a song called Rearranged. Yeah. Yeah, and the the bass line in that song, like the one Method Man. Yeah. 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 Like that. That. That bass line is, is a jammer. I'm, I still just, love some early corn. First two corn albums to me still rock. Issues has jams. Um, I love um, their cover of Wicked. I love Blind. I still love Blind. Gets yeah. me thumping. Um, yeah. You know, like I said. I, That's a Gen X in you, man. It is because uh, I used to, we, for two years, I went to that uh, Family Values tour, oh. which was corn, Limp Biscuit, fucking Ice Cube. Yeah. I saw Orgy. Yeah. I saw, uh, what's the. Uh, Ramstein Duhast, <laughs> uh, the dude who just died from Prodigy. Prodigy, uh, you know I. Yeah. Once again, it was very for being hardcore. It was still diverse. You know, you had totally. Prodigy and techno shit in there. Um, who else? Incubus was in there. You know, I. I, I, I find it very hard to pick a favorite band. Right. Because I feel like it depends on. Well, it depends. Like many, many things. There are so many. There are so many factors that, like, music has this really strange and bizarre um, and totally unique way of being a complete time capsule. Yes. Like we said, so, like, when you brought up Limp Bizkit, there was a good 8 to 14 months of my life where, like, Limp Bizkit, Korn, Deftones, Linkin Park, like, that was it to right. me. That was everything. Right. If you were to ask me right now to name my favorite bands, none of the four of those would even enter my mind. Sure. So, like, but music has this thing where, like, shit, I could just hum out that entire bass tone to that right. to that obscure Limp Biscuit song. Right. Because it can really teleport you, and it can... it You create such an interesting relationship with any given song or any given artist... That it doesn't matter how it ages in the public eye. Totally, it it is, it is so strangely perfectly personal, and I worry that kind of in the world of streaming music, that goes away a little bit. Yeah, and I am not the guy. I am totally not the guy to be like kids these days or like <laughs> shit on technology. Like, no, I'm all for it, but I also know that like. It meant something to have a soundtrack to things when I was a kid. Right. It like it meant something when you were throwing a party 
to build the playlist for Hell that yeah. beforehand. Right. Shit. You'd sit down with your buddies for two days to build that yep. playlist. Yeah. And to wait four hours for a Get Up Kids song to download. Yeah. Like, those records meant something totally, to you. Totally, man. And I know, like, for me, when I hear shit digitally, like, if it's just streaming through, it becomes very disposable to me. Which is why I don't belong to any streaming services, because I don't want that relationship. Sure. I'd rather miss out on some cool shit in order to have a relationship with the shit that I do have. Right. Um, and I, and I feel that kind of shifting and I know because I'm at the fucking club still and it concerns me that I'm not the old guy at the club shows. Right. Like when I was a kid going to club shows, when I was 14, 15, 16 into my early twenties, like there was a lot of the young guys and the guys in their thirties were the old guys. Right. I'm still the young guy. That's a problem to me. I agree. Like, man. where's the next generation coming to push me out? Yeah. When I go see bands that are, like, cool and new and hip, most of them are still kind of close to my age. I'm like, no, man. Where's the fucking 21-year-old DIY kids that are coming to push me out? I'll tell you where it's at. And I just found this out recently, eh, last couple years. Uh, so my son's a musician, pretty much hip-hop. He's into that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives in California right now, going to school, all that great stuff. Uh this is about two years ago, uh, and on my birthday, I, I'm like, you know, there, there was a um, MU330 show, you mm-hmm. know? This is two years ago, so, you know, they don't, they do like... Oh, on the Duck Room? Yes, they did yeah. a Duck Room show at Blueberry Hill. Um, it was great, right? So I told them, I go, hey, for my birthday, just so you know, I'm buying tickets, and you're going with me to the MU330 show. It was in December. It was like a, you know, yeah, later show. Yeah, it was at ICE that day. Yes, yes. This was, this was a year before that, actually. Okay. That one got canceled and moved. This yeah. was a year before that, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So for the year before that, still Duck Room, all that good stuff. I'm like, I just want you to see the shit that I. Th- right. This is what when I used to go. This to, was the scene that this I grew was the up scene, in. right? Um, I know you've heard the music in the car, whatever, blah blah. We went and we went early because I'm a fucking nerd, right? Yeah. Uh, we're so we're getting up close. I just want him to be in there. Music starts. You know, we're in a, we're in a club. The fucking right. seven foot, foot ceilings, ceiling. right? You know, yeah. pit it's starts. The duck room rules. Right. You get the circle pit. Happening. Circle pit. People are getting passed around. He's never seen anything like this before because they don't allow that shit anymore. Yeah. You can't go to a show and they allow a pit and, you know, shut that shit down. Yeah. His eyes open up. At first he's like, what the fuck? And then he's loving it. Yeah. You know, people jump on stage. It's like in the 90s. They dance a little bit, jump off, crowd crowd surf. surf. Everybody loves it, right? Yeah. And after the show, you know, he's like, oh, that was fun, blah, blah, blah. He had a show himself maybe a week later, right? Okay. Doing a show, normal things. He's singing, he's singing. Next thing you know, he dives off stage, crowd surfs, just like at the Ska Show, and the place goes apeshit, man. Fuck yeah. So, I swear, the hip, the new, the hip-hop scene is very, maybe it's just because that's what I'm exposed to now, but it reminds me so much of that Ska Punk Good. scene, local Good. scene. It's very niche, very involved, and they bring in, they do what, you know, he jumps off stage. He's in the crowd singing, getting people going. It's, it's what I remember growing up with. It's cool. I, I feel like that, the punk, the punk motif, mm-hmm. uh, vibe, I feel like has really moved to that hip-hop scene. Okay. Kinda. And that, I'm good if, with that. If that makes you feel any better. That, I, it's, I it's not going away. The DIY thing is still there. I'm good it's with that. It's different because you're not hanging out flyers. You're, not, hanging, you're sure. not throwing out CDs like you were. But there's, there's still well, that DIY to it that's good because the thing that i think about is like 
you know, as like a weird old punk rock dad now, I think about like, or try to project like the situation my kids are going to grow up in. And I think like, so say for me, I was not much of an athlete. I, you know, I played some baseball, I played some hockey, um, wasn't very good at any of it. Um, but I found my voice being in a band in high school, right? right? I found my community and like, I, I think back on that community the same way a lot of kids or a lot of not kids, a lot of people our age look back and be like, this was what I learned from being on the football team. This is what I learned from being on the baseball team or the hockey team or whatever. Um, I learned from like, I, I got that from being in a band. Right. And there are obviously still a lot of people that aren't athletic kids that aren't a part of that. And I, I worry about the fact of like, oh, you don't need to go make friends. You can just make a beat on GarageBand and then still do this I for agree. yourself, yeah. which is great. But like, where's the sense of community? So if that's still happening at the shows, I feel fucking great about that. Let me tell you where that sense of community is. What was I saying? Where the uh, where that community community comes from. So just by watching them, you know, we used to have, we'd be playing, you'd have, you'd have the friend who was the photographer. Right. Now that photographer is your video editor who uploads all your YouTube stuff. Right. Um, almost like your social media guy. You know what I mean? Right. So instead of just that friend who takes pictures, now you got three or four of them who just do all that audio video stuff. Man. And that, that to me, the YouTube and the social media stuff has where, is where... The flyers in the record store have gone. Right. Um, good, bad, like it, don't like it, you know, I don't know. I just, the community aspect, the DIY aspect is still there as far as the, the punk aspect of it. I just think it's moved towards that. Okay. My opinion. I can and be wrong. I, and again, like, I know I 100% sound like the grouchy old fuck that's like, Get off kids my lawn. these days. And I'm not that way. I, I really, I... It's not me saying, shit, kids these days aren't working as hard as we did. It's me saying, man, I hope that kids these days have the same opportunity that we did. Because for was... me, I felt like that was, I, I was given this weird kind of carte blanche to explore and build my own community. Right. That, like, I kind of had to right. been able to be successful. And we all did, who were in bands at that time. And we all had to kind of lift each other and organically became friends. And I hope that young people, I hope that opportunity, I hope that the democratization of the technology doesn't make it too easy to the place that you don't have to build a community. You just get to, you just get to be online and start streaming and you're immediately global. Right. And you start building only online and then you have to, like, it's kind of like the opposite, where it's right. like, we had to build in person, then eventually you get big Car- enough to the, get on. The Kardashian yeah. effect. Yeah. Just like. Famous for being this, for being famous. Right. Um, and and, and I, I just, I hope that younger people get the opportunity right. to build that same thing. Now, community. having said that, there is always going to be the uh, percentage of whatever genre, punk, hip-hop, whatever, that just want to be fucking famous. That, sure. That don't give a shit really about totally. the genre, about, you know, the art, whatever. They just want to make a buck. And they've been doing that since day one. That's sure. That's never going to change. Sure. You know what I mean? 
you got the Beatles. Next thing you know, you got the Monkeys. Yeah. Which I love the Monkeys, but they ran it to make a dollar. You know, hey, so hey, it's the just, it's how, right. You People know, like they're monkeying around. Peter Tork just passed away. Big ups. Oh, no. Um, so you're always going to have that side of it. Um, but just, like I said, looking at it through my spectrum, the only spectrum I have, I can't look at it through everybody else's. I see, I keep saying it, that punk, that DIY thing in that, really that, I don't want to say indie hip hop, but you know that not mainstream I mean, alternative hip hop, whatever you want to call it. Well, um, you obviously with with uh, Noah have a much bigger connection to that, and I'm glad sure. that that exists because right. that was my. It's like I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying I don't see it. Right. But I also have a very narrow place. You know, like right. I'm still the 30 year old guy going to the DIY punk shows. Right. So like. The fact that I'm not seeing the young kids there doesn't mean they're not out doing their own thing. It just means they're not doing the same that shit thing, that right. I did, which is awesome. Like, I'm just glad that it still exists. But I think, like anything, place. so, you know, the, the pop punk, the ska, it's still so new. It's not old enough to be cool, appreciated or yeah. cool. You know what I mean? I, I, when I was growing up, I didn't appreciate the Beatles. I didn't appreciate the Stones. Um but when I start looking into the bands I love, I start looking into what they love. Right. And, and so on and so on. And you start running into all that shit. And then I start appreciating it. Like, I love Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, yeah. I still do. I'm not going to make it, you know, I still love Pearl Jam. But that led me to, that led me to, made me appreciate more Neil Young, but also the Ramones. Sure. The Who. I mean, it just, it kept going and sure. going and going. And then all of a sudden, those connected to what I loved over here, like the Clash and uh, Elvis Costello, I'm like, mm-hmm. this all just, it's, it's, all, it's all the it's same all thing, pot. you know? And yeah. and next thing you know, it's all this. And then one day I hear Elvis Costello on the radio. I'm like, what the fuck just right. happened? You know what I mean? I, it blew me away. And it still blows me away when I hear certain things on the radio. I'm like, well, I don't listen to the radio that, that much anymore. Yeah. I, I'm a snobby iPod guy. I listen to my own shit. Because I, I don't, I'll say I don't like new stuff, but I haven't found that new stuff that connects with me. And it probably shouldn't. I I still find a lot of new stuff that connects to me. I just don't find it on the radio. That's fair. And I find it, so like I'm that. I I, find it in the older stuff, honestly. I really do. See, what I find is like, I still, it's it's the opposite effect. So like when I was younger, I would find the bands that I liked and then go search the bands that influenced them. Right. Now, I find the bands that the bands I loved influenced. Oh, okay, I got you. I, I kicked an opposite sure. scroll, and then sure. all of a sudden, I find myself here in this kind of world where it's like, oh, cool, here are the Menzingers, here are right. Spanish love songs, here are Tiny Moving Parts, and yeah. I'm like, oh, here's all these fucking really rad new bands, Pup, like all these really rad new bands that I really love that are um, influenced by the sh- and, and like a lot of these guys are like close to my age, maybe a little bit younger sure. than me, so it's like, Oh, here's all the guys that grew up in the scene that I was. They were doing the shit that I was when they were my age. They just stuck with it and got better at it. Right. So the, uh, it, I, there's still a lot of really good new music, but so it's with, just not with a band like I'm trying to think of a band that kind of let's say Newfound Glory. Okay. Because Newfound Glory started pretty much when I was young, and you know, still going. Yeah. When did you discover Newfound Glory? Like, what was your song? 2001. What was, which the, would have the, been? The fir- it was their, and their self-titled record. So, Before Hit Sticks and Stones. Um, no, self-t- so Hit or Miss was on the self-titled record. Okay. It was on 
Nothing Bold Can Stay, and yeah. then re-released okay. on. Okay. So, like, for me, uh, New Found Glory was that Blink show. Okay. Um, when I saw that they opened, um, you know, I bought the ticket at Schnooks at the Ticketmaster yeah, counter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and saw <laughs> New Found Glory and Alkaline Trio on the ticket, so I went to fucking Sam Goody in South County Mall, and I bought... Um, the most recent Newfound Glory record, which was the self-titled, and I bought the most recent Alkaline Trio record, which was, uh, shit, the one with Stupid Kid, uh, uh, From Here to the Infirmary. Okay. So I bought, uh, and so that, uh, self-titled record with Newfound Glory was my first exposure to them that had, I mean, that album rips from start to finish. It has Battle of Lost Romantics, it has Hit or Miss, it has, uh... Mm-hmm. Do your name here. God, I can't now. I I, I, know, I, yeah. I know all the songs, but I don't know the names of them. It's been um, a long time, very long, long time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm with you. <laughs> um, which was even cooler that like uh, was it last year or two years ago? They came to Delmar Hall uh, on an anniversary tour and played um, Sticks and Stones and Self Titled in their entire. Oh, nice. It was nice. sick. Um, Newfound Glory. Well, I don't want to say it was my first. Newfound Glory, and then me first and Gimme Gimme's was like oh. my first big exposure to like pop punk covers. Yeah, and I just fucking love. It. I still to this day, I just found a band, Safety Orange. I think it is. Okay. Um, ska punk type. You know. Yeah. They did a cover of uh, You Don't Know How It Feels. Tom Petty. This is new. This is mm. this is uh, from 2018, and then there's a uh, 19 stuff. They also do like. Uh, uh, punk ska mashups so it'll be a song called american royals it's a uh, royals board mm, yeah mashed up with uh american woman and it's punk, punk ska and it's fucking awesome man oh, and i still love it to this day the ska i don't know some people shit on it sometimes because it's simple and what it, i fucking love it man so i heard the the best description of ska to me um i, I don't i don't know if i saw this on a I don't know, I've seen this on a fucking meme on the internet or someone would have said this. I don't remember. Um, it wasn't my original thought. But the moment I heard it, I was like, you're right. This is perfectly ska. And it's both why ska is trivialized and why it rules. It, ska is the exact sound that a 12-year-old white boy hears in his ears when he gets an extra mo- mozzarella stick in his room. <laughs> I love it. And it's just like... You're right. Totally right. You're totally yeah. right. Yes. And that is why it's trivial. That's also why it fucking rules because yeah. everyone loves getting an extra mozzarella stick. right. And it's celebratory and it's fun Ugh. and it's exciting and it's like it's just not, joy. Not for nothing. The name of the podcast is Extra Mozzarella Stick. <laughs> How can it not be? Right. <laughs> Everybody loves an extra mozzarella stick. Extra mozzarella stick, stick man. <laughs> it's like, great, dude. Yeah, I don't know if I saw that on a meme or if someone said that. I was like, you're fucking right, dude. Oh, my God. Um, and my love of the ska punk stuff, pop punk in general, because I still, ska punk, pop punk still fits together. Yeah. Just because, really, of alternative radio, because that was when, you know, Real Big Fish was huge, which I love to this very fucking day. Oh, absolutely. I still love Mighty Mighty Boss Tones to this very oh, fucking day. Um, uh, Harvey Danger. I, 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 I do right. like Harvey Danger. You know, um, and even like the the bands that no one knows. Fucking Goldfinger. Goldfinger is still great. Um, 
I mean, how amazing is he as a producer? Right. Shit. John Feldman. To this day, he's still putting out some right. of the greatest stuff ever. You and know what I mean? the most re- recent Goldfinger record rips. He does. Yes. Um, Not to mention pop knife. punk covers. Maybe one of some of the best pop punk covers. Right. They do great. Right. 99 uh, Red, Red Balloons. balloons. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> They're so great. Right. Um, whenever they I... nail it. If I'm in a bummer mood, I can put on some pop punk ska uh, covers. I'm it's a just happy good, motherfucker, man. dude. It's just... Right, it's just the type of shit like me personally. Gimme Gimme's doing like uh, Goodbye Earl or oh, Goodbye or um, My Heart Will Go On, oh, little Titanic yeah. soundtrack or what's the R. Kelly song they do? Uh, I can't even uh, think of it. Um, I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly. <laughs> so you know, might not want to hear R. Kelly singing anymore. Right. <laughs> Maybe you get the pumps, wah, the punk wah, version. Wah. You know, <laughs> but you know, but anyway, the like I said the. So we did, uh, so my uncle got married, gosh, this is probably about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. No, a little, maybe even a little further back than that. Um, my uncle Mike and Aunt Mickey got married, and it was uh, both of their second marriage. And they just kind of wanted to have a party. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of goofy people, so get married on Halloween in my uncle Mike's backyard. Um, so it was just a big costume party. And everyone's just like having a good time, and like their their wedding song was "Ring of Fire," and they dug a trench around the pit and filled it with uh, black powder, and made a ring of fire that like yeah. lit when they got married. My aunt Mickey was carried down the aisle in a casket, like it was it was a party, right? And they wanted and they called it like John, we want you to put together a cover band to play all this. So it was me, Corey Gallagher, yeah, uh, was. Was a lead singer, and I called my other musician buddies, and we just played all me first and the Gimme Gimme's tracks, um, in like old seventies prom suits. Yeah, that we then painted uh, with jail stripes and built a PVC jail cell around us. Oh, that's fantastic! And just fucking played all me first and the Gimme Gimme's that's covers. Fantastic. Um, for like an hour and a half. Oh, that's great. And got. And I'm pretty sure Corey had alcohol poisoning. That that's the drunkest I've ever seen Corey in twenty <laughs> and twenty five years of us being friends. Right, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. ask him about that night. He'll, <laughs> he'll, it was awesome. I remember one of the first times I ever met Corey. You know, I've no, I knew Sean for a long time. Uh, I met Corey sporadically here and there. The first time we really hung out was at a bar. I, I couldn't even tell you how many years ago this was, uh, but he was still in the uh, band mo- punk motif. You know, mm-hmm. playing playing shows here and there. I had started to kind of fall out of it because I had just had a kid or whatever. Um, and he was playing a... Or he wanted to do... It was either Mardi Gras or St. Patrick's Day float. Oh, it was a Mardi Gras float. Was it a Mardi Gras float? Uh, and the drummer he had couldn't figure out how to play Hey Ya. Uh-huh. The outcast. He's yep. like, can you play Hey Ya? I'm like, yeah, I can play Hey Ya. You want to go on the float? Yep. <laughs> He's like, our drummer can't figure it out. I'm like, wait a minute. It was Dirty Bird. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that was our first really... <laughs> so... That same float, uh, I was 16. Okay. Me, Gibson, Fox, everybody's get on that float in the Mardi Gras parade, um, which is very stupid. Yes. Um, so we get shithoused, as one does at Mardi Gras, which is why we didn't have a goddamn podcast last week. Um, but on this float, so it was our big flatbed 18-wheeler, and uh, we had a band on the back, and the rendezvous point was the, uh, used to be Big Lots, now it's a world market at like 4,500 Broadway. Sure. Um, when we were leaving the parade site, 
this goddamn truck driver got on the highway with us standing on the back of this flat and fl- gets on 55 oh and Dirty Bird, who yeah. ended up drumming that, oh so God. he's standing, straddling his drum throne, holding a beer in front of his face while a highway fires it back down his throat. <laughs> Lucky no one died. Right. Uh, a year later... Uh, one of our friends fell off the back of that float and broke awesome. his spine. And, oh my god! Um, we haven't had a float since, so feel glad that you turned that one down. <laughs> no shit, even right, though you yeah. could play "Hey Ya," I could play "Hey Ya," like motherfucker. It, yeah. uh, <laughs> that float didn't end well for the drummer. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Well, we've covered a lot. We've covered many topics. We've yeah. covered classic toys, current toys, pop Funko, music. Our childhood, punk, baseball. We've, we've even got in. <laughs> yeah, we've even got into some father issues. I got nothing else. No, man. I'm the well is dry. It is dry. I feel tapped out today. I've I, I've covered a lot of emotions today. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I relived some some childhood, some real joys. Yes, today. But it also made me think back on some horrible. Hor- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nothing that bad ever happened with a GI Joe that I can recall. It, it, <laughs> If so, I blocked it out. So Show me on this G.I. Joe where he touched you. <laughs> where he touched you, right? <laughs> it was right here on Cobra Commander. <laughs> and then he did a nasty Destro. Oh, God. Well, beer's empty. I got nothing else. Anything else you like to contribute? Nah, we'll save it for next week. As always, Altered State Podcast. Hit us up on the Instagram, the Facebook, the Twitter. That's probably all. Yep, that's yeah, the ones. And that covers them. All right, guys, we're out. Have a good one. See you.